Grief touches every life and tests every heart. Even when we prepare for grief, it often knocks us to our knees. We are the Time with Giants show. Join us as we connect with giants of the faith who are experiencing the power of God in the midst of chaos. Whether your life is going great or you are in the middle of that chaos, welcome to our show. Hello, listeners. We are so grateful that you are here today on Time with Giants show. It is a blessing that you have joined us. We have a wonderful interview with Michael and Lauren McAfee waiting for you. But before we get to that interview, we want to say thank you to our sponsors. You know, our podcast started um, in January, and there are a couple of sponsors that helped us get off the ground. Stevens Trucking is one of them. They're a, a company in Owasso and Oklahoma City, and, and they really helped us help lay the groundwork for this podcast to start. And we're so very grateful. Water's Edge is a ministry of Oklahoma Baptist and they're the financial arm helping churches and individuals invest their money. And we are so grateful for Water's Edge helping us get off the ground. And has this podcast been a blessing to you? If it has in your grief and your trials... We hope that you would consider joining our team and becoming a donor with Time with Giants. You know, it's been amazing to see some individuals now join us to help us continue. And uh, we've gotten off the ground. And if you feel led to be one of our partners for just a, a $10 a month or whatever you feel led to give, that would really be a blessing to us. And so we would love for you to be a part of helping us continue to share stories of giants of the faith. If you are interested in doing that, you can click the link in the show notes or go to our website, www.alifeworthfollowing.org. All right, let's get to our interview with Michael and Lauren McAfee. Michael and Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. It is a blessing to have you on our podcast. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're yeah, Michael and Lauren, and we've been married for almost 14 years, uh, but we've known each other since we were seven years old. So we met growing up at the same church, um, and yeah, since we were seven years old, have been in and around each other's lives. So was it at seven that you looked at him in the children's ministry and said, when That's he gets guy. older, cool. he's going to have a beard. Love it for sight. Gonna... You know, she was like, I bet he has a red beard. He has brown <laughs> hair, but I bet his beard is red. Um, no, I, I like to think. Like, was that how it went my down, My greatest Lauren? accomplishment in life was escaping the friend zone with Lauren Green. Like of anything that I've been blessed to do, that was the most impressive. You went straight to the relationship? No, is we that were, what you we were did, really good Mike? friends for so long that he's, yeah, he thinks it's an accomplishment that he moved out of friend and into the boyfriend. So I, I think in his mind, Lauren, it was girlfriend the whole time. I'm not sure in his mind there was a friend zone. That's what I was doing. Oh, uh, yeah. So we, I mean, we were like best friends in middle school and most of high school until we started dating. So we started dating when we were 17, um, right before our senior year of high school and dated for four years and then got married the summer before our senior year of college. So we, we ended up at the same school and 
uh, finished out our senior year of college together, which was super fun. Yep. And yeah, so you guys have ministry. pictures together in the awkward stage of middle school. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's Definitely. a treasure. Yeah. A treasure or something to burn. Yeah. So. Thankfully there were no iPhones back then. So yeah. You know, yeah that, not... was, that was probably, yeah. that was probably back when you had to actually develop film like at, oh, the, yeah, at, yeah. This, at, at Walgreens oh, or something. Yeah. 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 So tell Our us a little bit. Conversations to Messenger, and they're all gone. They're not saved anymore. <laughs> nice. so. so tell us a little bit about your ministry that you have together. Yeah. So um, we've been blessed. A lot of our ministries kind of overlap. So uh, full time, I, I work for a nonprofit called Inspire Experiences, and so we create Christ-centered Bible experiences, discipleship experiences uh, around the world. But most, about eighty percent of what we do is at in Washington D.C. at Museum of the Bible. Um, we like to kind of leverage the opportunity, uh, people's interest in American history to inspire people to read the inspired word of God. And so uh, Chris is a founding board member and has helped us get off the ground. So we do trips for students, churches, families, all types of groups. And so uh, Lauren gets to join me in those efforts a lot. And then we both, um, I serve formally as an elder at our church um, where I've been at the same church we grew up at and know walls from and lauren has been a, a big you know volunteer she's got an event tonight she's helping to lead out in it's so a lot that she does at the church as well so overlap there and then she has her own yeah ministry. i also um founded my own nonprofit. that is um the work we do is called stand for life and we work to help the church be engaged on human dignity issues understanding a theology a good theology of the imago day of all people being created in the image of god and working in the dignity space specifically around the life issue and beginning of life so um that's a great joy to get to work cross-denominationally with churches all across the country and Lauren, I follow you. You don't know that I'm a fan, but I am a fan. <laughs> um, you're getting your PhD in ethics, right? I am. Yes. Yeah. So we're both actually PhD students studying ethics and public policy, and we take comprehensive exams soon. So we're uh, needing to be reading a large stack of books that we're looking at right uh, across the way. <laughs> so are you going to call each other doctor when you finish, uh, or are you going to just keep your first names? Well, only, yes. Or comma PhD, either one. Yes. Okay. Comma yeah. PhD, would you pass the water pitcher, please? Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, our, one of our daughters, our five-year-old daughter always says, that, you know, she knows that we're working to become doctors, but in her mind, that means like medical doctor. So she says like, yeah, mom, you're going to be a doctor someday. And then you can take care of me when I'm sick. I'm like, well, I'll still take care of you when you're sick, but I'm not. We're not the kind of doctors that help people. Right. Right. Well, you do. It's just a little different. I mean, uh, I won't call you if I have a rash or something. So yeah. we'll just not do that. But. Yeah, please don't. Okay, I won't. Um, In fact, don't even call me when you okay. have a rash. Yeah, that's, that's a good daughter right there. Well, uh, we so I'm so proud of you and I love you deeply. And, and it's so incredible to just get to be with you today. And I want to thank you for not just taking the time today, but thank you for your presence in our lives because you both are dear to us. And... Uh, and I'm just so proud of you getting to watch you grow up, getting to preach your wedding. That because was, you were their youth pastor. I was. I was their youth minister. Yeah. And uh, and then getting to work with you, Michael, um, was such a joy. Uh, getting to hire you and then then leaving you. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. But um, 
Um, you know, the year I had there, though, like I was deeply enriched and discipled by Emily when she was in my ministry. That's right. Emily was in your year. I forgot about that. That's right. No, she didn't forget. She's She was having a quiet time thinking about what, something you taught her one Wednesday night. Well, our lives yeah. have just been so a part of each other's. And at Council yeah. Road, I forgot that you were yeah. one of my youth pastors. That's so wonderful. Very briefly until Chris let, made y'all leave. Yeah. Until uh, <laughs> we I, left. You know... Um, but it's a full circle because now Eric Wall, who is uh, featured every one of these podcasts, is now worship leader with you in Oklahoma He's City. Back, we We're got him thrilled. back. We're thrilled, and I am really that. thankful. Well, we do want to process your story. Now, our podcast mm -hmm. focuses in on time with giants, and that seems strange at first because you two are giants of the faith. Uh, you were people I taught, but you've become teachers in our lives. And I'm really proud of you and I'm thankful for that. And, um, and you know, some people may question the fact that, well, why do we look at people's stories? Aren't we supposed to look at God? However, the Bible's full of stories of people. Hebrews 11, for example, is a hall of faith. And these are people that had faith in God that were to learn from. And I think this is a spiritual discipline, that we are to rub shoulders with people who are walking with God through many uh, ups and downs in life. And, and Michael and Lauren, you guys have walked through some difficulties, which mm -hmm. is now leading to a book that's coming out. Can you just process all of that for just a few minutes with us? <laughs> yeah, sure, easy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> easy. We'll just sum it up in a few minutes. Um, no, yeah. I mean, our story started, you know, very normal. I mean, we got married and just enjoyed those early years and got to do some fun things working on building our careers and had always expected to have kids along the way. And so whenever we started that journey, we wanted to start with adoption. So I come from a family that for generations has adopted. And so um, I have a, many adopted family members. Um, and so whenever we were 25 years old, we decided to start the adoption process and thought, you know, this will be a great way to start the family. Um, it'll take, you know, we were starting an international adoption and it was supposed to take around two years. And so we started pursuing that path. And um, more than six years down the road, we still had not had success in the adoption um, front. And so we had been longing for this and pursuing this. And for years and years and years, doors just kept closing. And um, also realized in that, same, uh, in that same span of time that we had, uh, we were experiencing infertility. And so we also were not able to have children biologically as well. And... So we walked through years of, you know, desiring children, hoping and praying and longing for children and that not being that that desire not being met. And, um, you know, knowing that this is a good desire and this is something that God calls good. And we, we were pursuing this in all the avenues that we knew we could and it was not being fulfilled. Um, and that was that was a its own season of um just pain and, and hardship of, mm -hmm. you know, asking like, why is this not working for us? Like it is for most all of our friends who are um, at that time, you know, growing their families. 
Um, and then we finally did um, have a successful adoption through China. We brought home our daughter, Zion, um, after seven years, about seven years of trying to pursue adoption. And um, that was an amazing experience. We got to travel to China and spend a couple of weeks there and, and meet her and make her a part of our family and then travel home. And, and then we were a family of three, which was um, just an amazing thing to see the fulfillment of so many years of longing and praying and, and, and working toward um, growing our family. And then we finally mm -hmm. had our daughter. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the end of 2019 and um, finally brought her home. Uh, we had both taken maternity and paternity leave. And it was actually, it was the week that I went back. I had taken off uh, seven weeks. And so I was, you know, home for with, you know, her about 50 days and had just gone back to work. And um, they, we had done a routine uh, kind of scan. They thought she might have this one issue with her spine. They said, let's, it's, it's correctable. Let's do an MRI and check it out. And we were having lunch as a family and got a call from the pediatrician office, um, Carla's office, who's a friend of ours. Um, and they said, hey, we need you to come in uh, right away. We, we found something. And so we rushed to the hospital and turned out this, you know, 18 month, 19 month old at the time um, that they had incidentally discovered a tumor on her liver and uh, later would confirm that it was cancer. And so anyway, it was like, they told us to rush to the hospital. We began walking this journey of cancer and feeling like, you know, once again, that things were just outside of our control, that, you know, we had thought that we could have kids, no problem. We thought adoption, like there's this clear timeline, no problem, and kind of everything else in life, the way you work hard and then you graduate or you work hard and you get a job or whatever. It was just like, there was no work that could be done. There was nothing. I mean, we were doing all the things that we could do. It was just outside of our control. And then we bring this little girl home and she's got cancer, a uh, tumor on her liver. And so that was inc an incredibly painful, you know, realization of just, God, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, we've, haven't we kind of paid our dues? Haven't we had our out of suffering like why would you add to this after our long our long wait and so um so yeah so that's that's kind of the the first part of our story that kind of led to that cancer moment um but by god's grace she ended up coming through cancer it ended up being kind of a, a better than or best case scenario in terms of diagnosis they were successfully removed the tumor only a couple rounds of chemotherapy and so uh, they told us that at the end of January 2020, they said, your daughter's cancer-free or, you know, is re in remission, not cancer-free, she's in remission. And so uh, you no longer have to live in quarantine ever again. So January 2020, we thought we're done with quarantine. And, uh, and then... We had quarantine because the chemotherapy affected her immune system. And so we, we weren't taking her anywhere. Right. We were quarantining. If, if I went somewhere, I was wearing a mask. We had all the hand sanitizer. So you were wearing a mask before it was cool. Oh well. yeah, December yeah. 2019, man. We were we were masking yeah. up. And COVID then was uh, did people just stare at you like, "What are you doing?" Are you yeah, doing? I, I didn't really? understand. They were like, well, "You know what is happening?" So I'm like, oh, very oh. taboo. Um, yeah. yeah, and so then remission in January 2020. Um, her immune system had kind of strengthened back up by the time we got that um, remission results, and so we were like, "Oh my goodness, we can start getting to." 
normal life, like normal life as parents and having a daughter and going out and like having play dates and going to church and, and all of those normal things that you'd expect to do <laughs> until February, 2020. You know, it's, it's interesting how God has positioned you and used you, you both. And you read, you wrote one book called not what you think, which is a great book. I've read it and I'm, I'm thankful uh, for that argument you endorsed about it. I did. I did. I endorsed it. And uh, um, so I'm really glad you read it. I did. I did. I read it. I read it. I, I actually did. Um, and uh, but but I, I I love that that first book you pushed people to look at the Bible, yeah, as an authoritative book. Now this second book is, <laughs> is, is, is tell us about the title. I love the title. Tell us the title. Yeah. So this book is called Beyond Our Control, and it's a it's it's really a theme of control and how how we as people deal with our concept of control and thinking we have control of things in our lives, and then what do you do when you walk through those circumstances like we did with uh, infertility and then a cancer diagnosis, where you realize really the lack of control that you have over circumstances yeah. in your life, but then also learning to readjust your focus to trusting in the one who has ultimate control, which is God, who has, who is sovereign over our circumstances, the good and the bad and, and working through and wrestling through those very out of control seasons of your life, mm -hmm. um, in a way that leads you toward, uh, greater intimacy with the Lord yeah. and learning to let your anxieties about lack of control the pain points, the grief, the the angst that we feel when we don't have the control that we crave, um, letting that um, shape us in a way that draws us toward the Lord, which, you know, you referenced our first book, Not What You Think, and really pointing to encouraging people to be in the Bible, look at the Bible for yourself, read the Bible, engage in the Bible. Um and, and really, we hoped that for, for that, that message would also, as millennials, we were speaking to younger generations, encouraging our generation and younger generations to um, look afresh at the Bible for themselves, because our generation and the younger are, are very biblically illiterate. And so we, we wanted to see that change. And we've certainly seen in our own lives that foundation of um, knowing what the Bible teaches, knowing the character of God is such an important foundation for the, the, the trials that we, we didn't know were coming our way with all of these things. And so, um, yeah, it's really sweet to see how the Lord has, even in our writing, guided that for us in, in yeah. this kind of first book, talking about, hey, um, uh, be in the Bible, look, look at the Bible and, and have that as a foundation for your life. And then, um, and then this next book, Beyond Our, Beyond Our Control, uh, being like, hey, that that Bible is going to come in as a strong foundation for you when you do inevitably face the trials of life. Because um, if you if you live in this world, you're going to face hardships and trials because it's a fallen, broken world. Yeah. Um, and so that that is part of the book. Yeah. Th there's a lot. I mean, there post COVID, even pre COVID, but especially post COVID, there's a heightened sense of anxiety. Absolutely. That feeling, but there's a lot of 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 dealing with anxiety and fear and how do you deal with this i know you all talk about that a lot on this on this podcast that you talk about grief a lot and so those were um those were some of the themes that as as we began to walk through uh it all kind of started with misconceptions of of how we viewed life um 
A.W. Tozer said, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. That um, I I didn't even recognize ways that I assumed, I kind of alluded to it. Um, I assumed, oh, everyone has to go through suffering. I went through this portion of suffering in our life, childlessness and longing for children and having this season of waiting. Therefore, I expected someone else would have the child that had cancer. You know, like that, that, that suffering was going to be right. for someone that was going to be kind of spread. And so then when it came, there was part of me that was going, wait a second. I, Your suffering I bucket's did. full already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so anyway, so that's like, even the way I was mentioning this, the way we laid it out is like a chiasm, which is Bible nerdy, but it's a chiasm uh, comes from the, the Greek letter chi, which looks like an X and it's where kind of the first line and the last line mirror each other, the second line and the second to last line, and it makes an arrow to the middle. And so the way that it's written is the way we thought about it. It's like we talk about how misconceptions lead to wrong expectations, false expectations, that those expectations, once we realize they're not being met, lead us to this sense of anxiety. That anxiety is stemming from expectations of how things are supposed to go and they're not going that way. Um, at least it was in our experience that leads to grief and then ultimately to feelings of powerlessness of, you know, there's nothing I can do. But the center of that, that chiasm, that arrow is what Lauren alluded to, that it is intimacy with God, that where at least for us, like as we study scripture, we, we don't, we will never know the reasons why God brings suffering into, you know, our life and different things. Uh, but we know the purpose and the purpose is that we might have more of him. The purpose is that he uses that pain to bring us into his presence, that we have a closer intimacy with him because of the struggles that we go through. And so then on the back end, you begin building off of that. And instead of powerlessness, you have prayer uh, as a means of connecting with him. That instead of uh, grief, that you have hope instead of anxiety, that you have peace and that you begin to like build out these negative things with sort of a positive response that only comes in in the gospel. So you know what comes to my mind? There's a scripture that comes to my mind just as I'm hearing you speak. And it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And and that as a the first step in in real joy and hope in life is coming to realize that you're not in control. Mm -hmm. You need the Lord. You need the Lord every day. And, and I just I just am so grateful you're writing this book and how important it is right now, especially in our modern society. We live in this world that really thinks that this facade of control, mm -hmm. that we think we're in control, but we really aren't. And, and there was something that happened, I think I, I used this as a sermon illustration last Sunday about, uh, or maybe it was on Easter, I, I can't remember, um, but about there was an ice storm in Houston maybe a year ago or two, year and a half ago. And uh, and with lit the power went out, and literally within a matter of hours, this really uh, modern city was in absolute chaos. And it took a matter of literal hours. And, it, and to me, it was such a striking example that we're not in control. And, and I think the value of this book of helping people recognize their need of God is mm -hmm. so yeah. very important. So Michael and Lauren, would you, I, I know that the chapters of your book kind of walk us through the thought process that one experiences when we experience life that is out of our control, which is 
way more often than we like to think. What was your thought process like in this journey of your your expectations not being met and your life being so beyond your control? So our the way that we approached it was as we reflected both on um, our journey with Zion and we, we also had a second kind of journey with um, a failed adoption, domestic adoption of our son, Ezra, who we were going to name Ezra, um, who was with us for a year and very similar emotions, very similar process of of walking through and seeing how much that we we wanted to control, but ultimately the decision of whether or not he was going to stay with us was so far outside of our control that the court case that kind of decided it, uh, we didn't even factor in, even though we had spent more time with this boy than any other, you know, living human. And uh, and so there was a lot of complicated stuff. And so we get into his story as well um, in the book, but the the whole point of his story and Zion's is we, we, we often can look back then at uh, Zion's story and say, well, now it's clear what God was doing. In the moment, we had no idea. But now, look, if we hadn't gone to get Zion at the end of 2019, she would have been in China in 2020. If she was in China in 2020, we wouldn't have been able to go get her. If we hadn't go, gone and picked her up right when we did, they wouldn't have incidentally discovered this tumor and seen it removed. And she's delivered. And like, Lord, look at the beautiful story that you're painting. And that's absolutely true. But that same sovereign God that was at work, sovereignly guiding all of those things, providentially ordaining, even, you know, like hard things, like that she would have surgery to remove cancer, um, that he was also sovereign over having Ezra, like him being a part of our family for a year, us losing him. And so that's where, again, we, we, we don't know all of the reasons why we don't, you know, this side of heaven, we won't see all of it, but but from an eternal perspective, we know that Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him is not is just as true in our suffering, that God's ultimate purpose is for our joy, which seems like it's at odds with suffering, um, but it's actually that suffering is the requirement of joy. Um, that is through that, that we can have deeper intimacy with God. I love that you share that, Michael. In my, I guess, just naive understanding, you know, I'm I'm so young still, I'm still learning so much about the Lord. I had always interpreted that verse as like, oh, well, no matter how hard things get, I'll be able to turn it positively and see the good. And now as I age and as I learn things, I'm understanding in just the smallest way that I won't always be able to see good this side of heaven. Yeah. Because yeah. we live in a broken world, as you've mentioned, and things happen that we will never be able to say, oh, I'm so glad that God did this after all, or I see what God was doing, but we have to trust him. We have to know his word and believe him at his word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about this book coming out. When does it come out? Do you know? November 7th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in November. Okay. But, but let's, you know, time with giants is a discipline. It's a mm -hmm. spiritual discipline. And to know the word of God, we need spiritual disciplines in yeah. place in our life. We don't just happen to understand the word of God. We don't just happen to have int intimacy with God. It's a choice that we have to build disciplines in our life to understand him and to seek him. It's, and that's a good point, Emily, because we don't accidentally become followers of Christ or disciples of Christ. There's intentionality in making disciples. And like Paul said to Timothy, train yourself to be godly. You were mm -hmm. to train ourselves. And in rubbing shoulders with you today is a, is a discipline 
that we are, uh, I think it's very important because we are, you are opening yourselves up to us and we to you and, and, uh, and, but, but there are spiritual disciplines in your lives. And I want to just ask you to process some of those disciplines that have helped you trust the Lord in the midst of the storm. I mean, I think that one of the things that the Lord was doing in our lives was giving us early on this firm foundation of having the discipline of being in his word that, um, you know, because of the way we've had people pour into us and disciple us and, and have great resources to help us want to be students of the word. And, you know, we wrote our first book on that, encouraging others to, hey, be in the word. Having that, being disciplined, and again, not doing it perfectly by any means, but building up that discipline to to know God's word certainly gave us a foundation, like I mentioned earlier, for when those hard times came, when it feels like things are out of control and 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 everything that you are standing on is shaken a bit. Um, being able to look back on you know days and months and years of pouring into knowing who God is from his word by being in church and having people teach the scripture and, and reading it ourselves. Um, that's certainly mm-hmm. like, it's a discipline, right? Like, it's not like it just is happens and you don't have to be intentional about it. And it just, it's going to happen for you if you're a good person and a good Christian. It's and like it doesn't have, always feel good. Right. No, like there were seasons and still are today, like where we're not feeling like we want to be in the word, but we've seen the reaping the benefits of having that gospel and God's word poured into our lives by giving us that foundation. And so certainly that's, you know, one discipline. Um, And in our book, we talk, uh, we have a whole chapter on the discipline of prayer. And um, I think, you know, in, in trials and in grief and in hardship, it can be in some ways, easy to run to prayer because, you know, usually I'm not thinking about prayer until things are hard. And then I'm mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I need to pray about this or God, you know, help us in this. Um, and and it, I have a tendency to wait until the hardships to run to God. But I think it can also go the other way too, in that when we experience a deep grief, there can also be a fear of, you know, I don't know if God is a trustworthy and good God that he allowed this pain. And so I don't know if he's a safe God to go to in prayer. And I certainly felt that in some of our deepest griefs in terms of when we lost our son, Ezra, and 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 really having to wrestle through that, those emotions of the pain, bringing me to a place where I was questioning the goodness of God and, and, and remembering again, the truths of what I knew about his character and pouring that, pouring back over in my heart, the, the goodness, um, of who he is and, and, and continuing to go to him in prayer and having the discipline to go to him in prayer, even if I didn't feel like it, um, because I knew that he is who he says he is in scripture. He is a God who is near to the brokenhearted, as it says in Psalms. And he is a God who catches our tears. And, and also the hope of what we see in Revelation 21, that he is a God that will um, someday all tears will be um, wiped away and things made right in the new heavens and new earth. And so um, clinging again to those truths and going to God in prayer and having the discipline to do that in the good times and the bad times 
um, certainly is what shapes us into, into having greater intimacy with God. And, and, you know, that's, again, the whole theme of the book is we're, we're trying to point people towards the goal is greater intimacy with God, you know, knowing him, understanding, having a framework for understanding our hardships, um, and also, um, reminding people of the importance of these disciplines in the good times and in the hard times for developing that intimacy with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. I, I would just, the only thing I would add is, um, another discipline that's been reinforcing is if we were doing those things by ourselves, it, it would not have nearly had the impact and, and we would have strayed from it. Um, that living in community intentionally in community with others, especially, you know, I mean, vividly thinking about people coming to the hospital, Chris, you came to the hospital to see us and pray for us when the night before Zion's surgery, you know, we had our home group, essentially community from our church, come up to the hospital and check on us. We had when Ezra, uh, when we had to say goodbye to Ezra suddenly, um, that we had a meal train kind of lined out. And, and by the way, I mean, we, we were talking before we started hitting record. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about recently is in terms of facing grief, like the grief of, of having to say goodbye to a child that we were expecting to adopt for a year. And then it fell through kind of in the midnight hour, um, was a different type of grief than we had other friends that in, in the same season, roughly, uh, lost, um, uh, ch children, a couple twins at birth. And as we walked alongside of each other, one thing we recognized is that as we were processing and showing up for them in their grief, um, the difference of, of what it's like to wrap around someone when you have a funeral, when you have a moment where you are grieving together versus when you lose a child that you were expecting to adopt and it, there's not that same moment. And so um, I don't know who listens that may need to hear that, but if you have someone in your life that has a similar moment, like having people in our lives that came and wrapped around and did come and sit with us over here at our dining room table, just to love on us and ask how we're doing. And like that meant so much in our own grieving process. And so I think that discipline of community of regularly being in church, even when it was hard of leaning into relationships, even when uh, there were times I wanted to run, I wanted to move to Washington DC and just like run away from our you know, grief and issues and, and choosing to be disciplined to stay plugged in uh, made all the difference. You know, I think about Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, you know, don't give up meeting, meeting together. together as some are in the habit of doing, mm -hmm. but do this all the more as you see the day approaching. And, and you know, I, I, you just point to the incredible value of plugging into a church. And, and that's so very important in these days that we for many churches, like I just pop in and pop out, like I'm going to the movies, mm -hmm. and um, and that's not church. We're to be in life together, relationship with one another, uh, to 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 be there for the ups and downs of life together, and and that's church. And so, dear listener, I, I just want to say to you, there's great wisdom in rubbing shoulders with Michael and Lauren today. But can I just say to you? Don't miss the, the blessing of being around the people of God. Mm -hmm. Because are there times, there's a big thing right now with, man, I have church hurt. I get that. There are times in family and relationships we're going to hurt one another. But let's not, let's not overlook that the vast majority of people in church are walking with us, are, are carrying us. 
and are, are loving us. Don't lose sight of that habit. Don't, don't get into the habit of missing a real community. There, it's around you. Uh, you'll have to do some work with it. But I want to encourage you, plug in to a church. It's been such a joy to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your hearts and your time with us. Thanks so much for having us. Love you guys. Love the show. Listen to all the episodes. So thanks for having us on. And uh, Michael, I just want you to know this, uh, this seventh grade girl that was in your youth group, you know, she developed a passion for a church, for being involved in church. And she's been involved in church. And guess what? She just joined First Baptist Owasso. Uh, so she moved here and plugged into a church following the instructions of the youth pastor, Man. youth minister, and his, and his wife. The one she didn't even remember that was her youth pastor. That, it obviously <laughs> hey, had a very... To, to my credit, there was a revolving door through my youth group years at Council Road. Yeah. You were only there in was. the youth group yeah, there well, one, two years. Three. Three, but. okay, whatever. Um, but Michael, Lauren... You are dear to us. Now, as, uh, as is uh, a tradition in our podcast, when you go through a tough time, you need hope, the hope of Christ that it gives you. You need, you need some coffee. And one of our indicators that it's time to wrap up is my coffee is getting cold. And you also need melody. So here is a song by Eric Wall. We hope that it is a blessing to you. And as my dad likes to say, a breath of fresh air, whether you are grieving, whether you are in a hopeful season, we hope that it is a joy to you to listen to this music and that you'll connect with the lyrics. Have a blessed day. And thank you for joining us on Time with Giants. You alone are of the ocean we have never seen all the earth declares your glory by your hand by your hand all the galaxies were carved at your command by Walk me through my life by your hand. You alone are God. You alone are worthy. From the power of the lightning bolt to stars up above, with them I will sing. Your glory that by your hand, by your hand, all the galaxies were carved at your command. By your hand, you still walk me through. Oh, oh.
Thank you for joining us today. Remember, following Jesus does not keep us from tough times, but he is faithful to walk with us through them all. You can trust God even when it's hard to see his hand or hear his voice. As always, our prayer is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may overflow with hope. Help us out by subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with others. To be a monthly supporter, click on the link in the show notes or go to our website at aliveforthfollowing.org. See you next time on Time with Giants.